Hello and welcome. I am one of your co-hosts, Corporal Kyra Pearl with the 3rd Armored Corps Public Affairs Office. And I am another co-host, Specialist Garrett Dacko with 11th Signal Brigade. And I am another co-host, Eric Franklin with the Fort Hood Garrison Public Affairs Office. And you are listening to Fort Hood's Great Great Big Big Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It is October, and October, it's almost time to go get some candy, because it should be. It's it's almost Halloween. Uh, but today, we have someone in the studio who, because uh, it's also Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so we have someone in the studio who is very intimately uh, knows about this. Go, can you go ahead and introduce yourself for us? My name is uh, Matthew Vick, uh, breast cancer um, survivor. And where are you from, Matthew? I'm from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, t- Cashville, Tennessee. So um, first, I guess, start off by how did you realize, how, how did you know that you had breast cancer? Um, so I really didn't know that I had breast cancer. Um, it was more of the MEPS facility before I shipped off to basic training back in 2013. Um, he waved off on it, and then I came back, and pretty much the diagnosis that they gave me and the way that they noticed it is because I had pretty much what they called a C-cup boob going on. Um, my left side would be flat and then my right side would be extended out. Mm-hmm. So wait a minute. So you went to MEPS or the military and processing station. What is it called? Military interest point. I can't remember what it's called at any rate. So while you, while you were at, uh, while were you, while you were in processing to the army to join the military, that's when you found out how, how, how did that happen? Like what were the thoughts going through your mind when you, when you when you might not have been able to join the military? Um, it wasn't really a big focal point for me, um, whether I could go or could not go. Um, it was one of the things that I wanted to do. Um, I didn't notice it at all. Uh, my mom had breast cancer, and then my grandma also had breast cancer, so I was just one of the unlucky, fortunate ones that got it. Um, it made no never mind to me if I was going to join or not. So being a male, I know you said that breast cancer does run in your family, um, but you probably thought you'd never experience this, I'm sure. I never thought it was possible, um, especially when I was going through treatments and everything. They told me that it was only 0.5% of the male population would ever experience something like this, so that's why I'd never even had the forethought that this would be a thing. You know, so for you, how how has the past, uh, you said you came in in 2013. Oh, that was in 2013. So how has the past almost 10 years been now being a, a, a breast cancer survivor? Um, I mean, it hasn't really been uh, too terrible. I mean, uh, I have a lot of uh, bone and autoimmune disorders right now, um, hence the reason that um, I have a lot of things wrong with me right now. Uh, But it hasn't really, I mean, a lot of people have questions and I have to go get, I have to schedule out mammograms every two years. But everybody, when, since I've been in, uh, they always are like, what do you wait? What do you mean you had breast cancer? There's there's no way in God's green earth that you've had breast cancer. And then I have to and then I take my uniform off and I lift my shirt up and I'm like, yes, I've had breast cancer. I'm I have no I have no nipple on the right side. All my lymph nodes are gone. All my breast tissue is gone. So I have I have I only have the story to tell at this point. Okay. And so with telling that story to other males, how how do you think they receive that? Like, oh man, you know. Someone in my unit, a male in my unit, had has had breast cancer. How do you think 
you know, you being so open with them and sharing your story, your story and what's going on with you. How do you think that that helps them or it might make them think when it's time for their physical or when when they may have a, a fill a lump in their chest? Like, oh, man, I, I need to go get this checked out. Um, so sometimes, uh, from what I've been told, is that a lump in your chest could be glinocomastia as males as it's an overdevelopment of puberty. So that's how mine got overlooked, is that's what they thought it was right away until they did the surgery, and then they found out that it was actually a tumor. So it, it could be one or the two. Okay. Um, if you do have something going on, I recommend you go getting checked, because you never know, especially in my case. Okay. But out, so outside of that, you were you were... Did you run track or play football? You you just an average kid before before all that happened, before you go into the Army, before you decided to join the Army? Uh, I mean, I never played any sports. I made my both my parents' lives uh, very difficult growing <laughs> up. Um, but I didn't play any sports. I never found an interest in playing sports. Okay. Well, so what did you do before you uh, joined the Army? Um, I mean, all I did was I just went to school and – came home and then I just I didn't have very many friends growing up so I didn't really have a whole lot of going out and doing that kind of experience so I went out and raised my own kind of dilemma in my childhood I I, <laughs> I really want to know more because you you you've dodged that question twice but we'll talk about it after the show because I'm interested now um so what's your uh, what's your MOS in the army so I, when I joined in in 2012, I was a 19 Delta Cavalry Scout. I did that until 2022, and then I changed my MOS over to 88 Mike as a truck driver um, with the way that my body was not allowing me to handle combat arms anymore. Okay. And I was just about to ask that question. How has breast cancer affected your career? Um, so as of right now, it hasn't really affected me um, at much until of the last couple of years. I've started to see that uh, my knees are starting to go bad. My hips, like all of my, all of my joints and all of my bones are starting to deteriorate from chemo and radiation um, treatments that I did for maybe just a month or two. It wasn't something too spectacular of treatment that I went through, but that's how they're saying that um, a lot of my uh, injuries are prone to right now. Oh, and your knee, just so you know, your knees, that's also the army doing it. Too. Yeah. They're just gonna... killing you. <laughs> slowly. It's one that, of those that's, things just, that's just being a Calvary Scout. Yeah. That's all that is. Just slowly killing you, taking your knees out from under you. Mm -hmm. uh, Have you been involved in any, um, like, uh, advocacy programs or, like, bringing awareness uh, to this, uh, to breast cancer? Uh, every year in October when it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I try to reach out to every place that I can find, church groups. Um, they're even um, at Baylor, Scott & White. I've tried to reach out to them, and I've been un unsuccessful in the recent years. They usually have an advocacy program going on in October, and I keep trying to reach out to them, but I usually don't get a response because their phones are usually busy. So just because you said that, I think I have a contact and I will make that happen when we get off the phone. When we when we get off of this podcast, I will I will go and I will make a phone call. Eric's for gonna you. hook it up. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying I can, but I will. I think I can. I, I think I can. So um, again, so when you talk about it with your with how you said you have kids, how many kids do you have? I have three kids. Three kids, boys or, or girls? Uh, my oldest is three. That's my daughter, and then I have my two year old, which is my son, and then I have my one year old. That's my daughter. Okay, so how 
how do you think you're going to have that conversation with them? Because now that you know that your grandparents, your mother, and yourself had uh, breast cancer, how how do you think you will bring that conversation up with them? I, I know you have. It, when you think they're young now, I'm telling you, next thing you know, you're going to blink, and they're going to be 14 and 15 years old, and there's going to be phones and all this other technology going on. How how do you think you will have that conversation with them? Um, when, when we first, when me and my wife start, first started having kids, um, I went out and did a genetic test and this was back in 2018 and they found that I have no genetic markers to give them to any of my kids. Okay. Um, so that's the good part. Um, and if my kids ever do have questions, I mean, it's not like I'm going to be prone to trying to avoid the subject. Yeah. I'm going to let them know what's going on, but I won't be able to pass this genetic marker to any of my kids. Okay. See, and see, so that again, that's for myself. I don't know because Dak, I was a little bit smarter than I am. But for myself, I I, I didn't know that, that it would have skipped. Like if, if your grandparents had it, your your mother had it, it, and you had it, that it would probably be something like I. I that's what I would have thought how it would have happened, and it your kids would have been more uh, susceptible uh, to it. Um, I think other thing that I have for you is just when do you, when you do get to go out and you get to talk to those groups or churches how how do how do they receive you being a, a male they i wouldn't say they're not foretelling on the situation they usually have a lot more questions okay than they do answers because it's not very it's not a very usual thing okay. to have a male coming to an advocacy program and saying hey i'm a breast cancer survivor okay a lot of people have a lot more questions Okay. And that's the one thing that I, I myself, over the last recent years, have just come to accept that I'm going to have to tell this story about eight or nine times before um, my life is over. Okay. You said earlier, soldiers in your unit may be like, oh, no, that's impossible. You, you couldn't have had breast cancer. Why is it important for you to show them, hey, look, no, this is, this is real. This is something that really happened, that is happening to me. Why do you think that's important that, that males, especially being a, a calf scout, why was it important for you to show your, your teammates? It was important to me because it helped grow a bond between us that not everybody is perfect. Not everybody has gone through the same thing, but it also shows them that, yes, you are a male. You may think you're invincible, but there is something that you can be completely unfortunate in grabbing in your life. So with telling my story, it shows them that, you need to be aware of anything and everything that could happen. And for someone like me um, or, or any of our listeners, um, what, is, what is one suggestion that you have that people can do to support um, bre- people with breast cancer or those breast cancer survivors? Um, the best way to support is especially going out and showing um, that support. Usually there, the last time that I did it, there was a, uh, 10 mile breast cancer walk in Austin. Um, a couple years ago at the church that I belong to, we did a, uh, breast cancer rodeo. So it was pretty much, um, us showing us bringing everybody that was breast cancer supporters and breast cancer survivors up to and into the arena. And then, um, some of us paying for those tickets for those survivors. So then it was, it wasn't just a, Hey, we feel sorry kind of story. It was, Hey, we appreciate you still having two feet on this ground. I do. I do want to ask though, if you have anything, just final words to say to the audience about breast cancer awareness month or anything, the floor is yours. 
Um, pretty much the only thing I've really got um, ending in this right now is even if you're a male and you think that you don't, that you think that you're invincible, make sure that you do go get checked if you find anything wrong with you because you could be in some people's situation that survived this and be in stage four, or you could be fortunate enough like me and be in a pre-stage one where you only had to do this for maybe a month. And then your situation is a lot lower, but you still have a story to tell, and you can still tell other people's stories. Okay. All right. Well, we want to thank you very much for coming on today and sharing your story. Uh, it means a lot, especially during this month. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back. Your Army Digital Garrison app is a great way to explore your community. With expanded features, including access to an app library, MWR Travel Services, and American Forces Travel, the Digital Garrison provides direct access to installation-specific news, information, and alerts. Find local dining options and events. Browse great shopping deals at your Exchange, Express, and ShopMyExchange.com, and the Commissary. Search for Digital Garrison in the App Store to connect with your installation and community. Powered by the United States Army and your exchange. And welcome back to the show. With us, we have a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself, sir? Hi, my name is Dr. Hustle. I'm a radiologist uh, currently at Kerdamsey, assigned to the 115th Field Hospital. And the subject today is breast cancer awareness. So what exactly is breast cancer? Can you tell me, sir? Yeah, so not to get too in in the weeds about what it actually is, but cancer in general is a group of cells or cell that begins growing out out of check. So generally, we normally have cell turnover in our body, and our body kind of just cleans that up and takes care of it. In the case of cancer, that turnover doesn't happen appropriately, and Mm -hmm. you get a group of cells that just start growing into a mass, um, and then that mass spreads throughout the body. And and so I I know that you work in the radiology lab, correct? Yeah. So uh, what... For you, what what would you tell someone that you know? I know when you, once they come in, they're going to get a, I don't want to say the word name wrong, a mammogram. I, I should know some of these names, but I don't. <laughs> That's okay though. But I, I know I got to go get checked up. But wh- what would be some of the things that you would tell someone outside of? Hey, make sure you get your your mammograms. What else could could someone do at home to to prevent that, or not to prevent, but to check to see if they may need to to ask for more more questions to the doctor. Absolutely. So mammograms by far and away are best screening tool for the early detection of breast cancer. There are other things you can do at home, though, especially um, if you're below that age 40, where we start recommending annual screening mammograms. And we call that self-breast awareness. And what self-breast awareness is, is somewhere between the one and three month interval. You just feel the entirety of your breasts and kind of document in your mind any thing that feels lumpy or bumpy. Uh, A lot of women I see in the um, women's imaging clinic, I'll say that it kind of feels that cancers generally feel firm. So something like a rock or a marble in the breast tissue, that's very concerning to us. And if you were to feel that, I would say immediately go in, not immediately, but within a, a certain reasonable amount of time, 
talk to your primary care provider and they'll get you in for what we call a diagnostic mammogram. And it's a bit different than the screening. It's a bit more thorough of an exam because we're actually trying to figure out what that thing you're feeling is. Um, and then we'll kind of guide you from there as far as what recommendations we need to follow. Do we need to go into biopsy? Is it something that we can just take another look at in six months to see if it's stable? Um, or do we need to go into MRI or something like that? And really, I think that for women across the board, that's the best thing you can do at home or to take kind of the initiative in your own care is, is doing self-breast awareness. As somebody who's currently breastfeeding, that sounds a, a little scary. I know whenever your milk uh, gets full, it kind of feels like a rock normally. <laughs> so women who are breastfeeding are very challenging for us in radiology to make the right diagnosis. And a lot of times when we have women that are breastfeeding and they have something they feel, we'll put them on a shorter interval follow-up just to make sure if we do find something that it's stable in size before going on to biopsy just to eliminate some of the complications of biopsying during that, uh, that time when you're, you're actually lactating. That makes sense. And then I know we've mentioned mammograms a couple times. What is that? So a mammogram is basically just an x-ray that's specifically designed to look at the breast tissue. Um, we do, for a routine screening mammogram, uh, each breast will have two separate views. One kind of comes from the top, and then one kind of comes from a, an oblique angle on the side. Um, those will be compared to any prior mammograms that a woman's had that we have access to. Um, and then the second sort of version of mammography is a, the diagnostic that I've already mentioned. And in that one, we can do different views and some specialty views to get a better look and a better idea of what's going on. With October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month, uh, people are, are more, uh, there's more information out there this month, but it shouldn't, uh, what else could some people do year round outside of October just to, to get the awareness out or just to learn more about uh, breast cancer awareness? I think a big problem with breast cancer awareness is it can be taboo for a lot of people and they don't want to have screening because they don't want to find out they have cancer. And that's very reasonable and I understand why people would be hesitant to get screening. I think this month in, in particular is very important because it does put out more information for women. It does kind of put it up front at least for a while and hopefully it reminds at least one person that they need to get their screening for that year and to kind of take it seriously. Speaking of taking it seriously, we hear about breast cancer all the time. Um, and I just feel like unless you know somebody who's gone through it, the severity of the condition isn't really talked about as much, or at least I personally, I don't know anyone that's ever had it. So I just know, you know, the commercials in October. Yeah, so severity, um, when we catch breast cancers early, which is what screening mammography is better at than anything else, uh, or at least the best tool we have right now. When we catch it early, the survival rates of a stage one breast cancer are about 95% for five-year survivability. Mm -hmm. If that gets into like stage three breast cancer where the cancer's out of the breast tissue, that number drops dramatically um, into the 80, like 70s to 80% range. Our therapies have gotten significantly better, especially probably in the last 10 years have been the, some huge strides as far as treatment. And that's 
not just surgical treatments, but also our chemotherapeutic agents and our hormonal agents, depending on the type of breast cancer and the receptor statuses of that breast cancer. So overall, I think that that, that really is a, a good reason to get screened and, and catch cancers early. Now, you mentioned that you don't know anyone personally that has breast cancer. And overall, many people, by the time they get to like a second degree person they know, will know someone who has had breast cancer and they may not be sharing it. Mm-hmm. Um, the statistics say that one in eight women will have breast cancer. That's a lot of women. And roughly 300,000 women get diagnosed with invasive breast cancer per year. And about 50,000 people get diagnosed with what we call ductal carcinoma in situ. And that's kind of the, the early precursor to an invasive carcinoma. So a lot of women have it. There's over four, or depending on which, which website you're using or which statistic you're using, there's roughly 4 million women that have had a breast cancer diagnosis living in the United States. That so, is big. So, you know, I, I know we've, we've been talking about um, women with breast cancer, but I know that there's, there's males with breast cancer. We had a, a, a soldier on earlier, and he was a, a male breast cancer survivor. How, how does the treatment or how does that work in, in your office? Do you see the male soldiers or if it comes into it or if it comes down to it, or do they go to a different clinic? So they would still go to the same clinic because the mammograms are very specific. So the machine's completely different than any of our other x-ray units. It's very specially designed just to do breast imaging. So they would come to the mammography suite um, there in the women's health clinic side. And we do see males there routinely um, for various reasons. Um, Overall, the incidence of male breast cancer is significantly lower. There's probably between 40 and 50,000 men per year diagnosed with male breast cancer. And the treatment options are still very similar. So it, it's very dependent on what type of tumor it is. And additionally, what type of receptors are, are there. Those all really guide the treatment for men with breast cancer. So how can we uh, help those in our lives who have breast cancer? Or how can we help breast cancer awareness? So I think the biggest thing that anyone can do is to try and remove the stigma around it. Um, I think a lot of women that get diagnosed with breast cancer really fear that their friends are going to judge them or if they have to undergo mastectomy that they're somehow less of a woman. And that's just not the case. And I think taking away that that stigma associated with the the diagnosis is by far and away the most important thing we can do. If you were to know someone in your life that has breast cancer, really it's just support. Um, Non-judgmental support is what women need to have breast cancer and knowing that they're not going to be in it alone or that they're not going to be abandoned because they have this diagnosis. It's such a common diagnosis nowadays that I think there's more awareness globally than there used to be. And overall, that's a great thing. But I think just pushing away that stigma is is the biggest thing we can do and and not having any of our own personal reservations about the diagnosis. 
Um, last thing that I have for you is what would be uh, two or three tip, tips that you would have to someone who may think that they have a, a they may feel something that may feel a little out of the ordinary in their uh, chest during their uh, bi-monthly exams, personal exams? Yeah. So if you feel anything, the first thing to do is to talk with your primary care provider and they will put you in for the diagnostic mammogram. And I think the important thing is to know what to expect when you have that, or even for women who may not feel something, but they have their screening mammogram and we call them back because we see something. So we'll go over the first part, someone who feels something new and you're going to come into the imaging center. We're going to do a mammogram. We'll ask you to place a marker on the breast where you're feeling it. And that just helps us out to make sure we're, we like really scour that area on the images and, and see if we do see anything. We'll also potentially repeat some mammogram views um, with a little bit different technique to make sure there's nothing under there. And then most radiologists are going to send you for an ultrasound regardless if we see something or not. So just because we want more images, it doesn't mean that there's something there. A lot of times I'm getting the ultrasounds just to make sure there's nothing there because you say you feel something. I take that very seriously. So I'm going to give you every shot of finding that thing, regardless of what it is. Okay. After the ultrasound, um, the radiologist will come in and talk to you and say, this is what we see. And these are our recommendations. And those can vary widely. So sometimes all we see is normal breast tissue on both the mammogram and ultrasound. And we say, everything looks fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do feel something, but there's a lot of things that can cause lumps or or bumps in, in the breast that are perfectly normal and within the normal spectrum of breasts. We may say that there's a cyst there and there's really nothing to do about the cyst unless it's large and we can drain it to take away some pain maybe that may be there. Or we may say, hey, we need to do a biopsy. And for biopsies, you're going to come back to the same room that we did the ultrasound in on a different day. It's a very straightforward procedure, um, no anesthesia and we perform the biopsy using ultrasound guidance and then we get pathology to tell us what's there. And the majority of biopsies are benign. The majority of women that we see something on during um, screening mammograms, the majority of uh, people that we call back for diagnostic mammography are benign findings. Okay. There's a lot of things that can trick us on screening mammograms. We're making a three dimensional structure 2d and the normal fibroglandular elements can overlap and look very dense to us or like there's something there and there, there just isn't. Um, so having that callback isn't necessarily a bad thing. It means that we just saw something that we couldn't explain by looking at your old mammograms and we need to make sure it's nothing. Overall, mammography is designed to be sensitive, but not specific. So it means that if something's there, we have a high chance of seeing it, but we also don't know what it is. That's the sensitivity part, so, or sorry, the specificity part is us knowing exactly what that thing is. And that's why we bring things in like ultrasound. That's comforting. <laughs> Every time I get a call back for any sort of additional looking for any sort of thing, I always get a little anxious. So, And that's very normal. It's, it's always kind of my fear of like making a lot of anxiety for something that may be nothing. And it, it's something that's tough to get over. Um, 
and, and tough to address because we get a lot of very anxious people coming back for diagnostic mammography after they've had their screeners. And we just try to address that and, and say, you're here because we saw something that we couldn't explain, but we've done this look, we're good now, everything's fine, and we can go back to routine screening. So how does your family play into you potentially getting breast cancer? That's a great question. So we have some certain risk factors that are non-modifiable. And what that means is you can't do anything to make them less of a risk. Those are, one, being a female, you're at a greater risk of having breast cancer than a male. The second is family history or your genetics. And the third is age. So those three things kind of tie together to be our things that we can't change. For women who have family histories of breast cancer or multiple types of cancer, there are some tools out there that you can use to help guide your screening. So we've been talking a lot about mammogram and screening mammogram versus diagnostic mammogram, but there is another portion and that's our high risk screening population. So online, you can Google search uh, risk calculator for breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And the best one is the Tyra Kuzak lifetime risk calculator. It's easiest if people do this at home and take it into their doctor to discuss the, the findings. But basically, it's a bunch of information. It goes through your family history. It goes through your personal history of cancers and breast cancer. Um, it also includes things like your height and weight um, and other things like when you had menarche, how many kids you've had, and all those can combine to give us a, a risk, a lifetime risk. So we know that the routine person, just anyone off the street, has a 13% chance lifetime risk, that one in eight number, of having breast cancer. If your risk by those calculators is over 20%, we place you in what's called a high-risk screening pool. And your screening goes from being recommended at yearly mammograms to a mammogram every, every year, and then six months following that, an MRI, mm -hmm. so that we can detect cancers even earlier if you're higher risk. Because our goal is always to, to pick up those cancers as early as possible. And so we've talked a little bit about our non changeable or unchangeable risk factors, but there are things that we can do um, to decrease our, our risk, certain things like diet modifications, so um, eating a healthy diet, so low processed foods is, is all I really recommend, not calorie restricted at all, but trying to stay away from heavily processed foods. Okay. Um, weight control is certainly important, uh, decreased alcohol consumption, and not smoking are probably the best things you can do to decrease your risk of breast cancer. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming and sharing all this amazing information with us, sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you. and get special military discounted tickets to your favorite attractions like Six Flags, Schlitterbahn, SeaWorld, Disney World, and more. Stop by our Leisure Travel Services office located right here on Post to get those tickets. For more information, go to our website at hood.armymwr.com. Have fun!
Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Haunted Podcast. <laughs> you are out of line. Look, man, we got it's it's basically Halloween. Yes, it is. Come on. Whoop, whoop. It's Halloween mm-hmm. Eve, Eve, Eve. Uh, <laughs> Eve. Yeah. Eve. Did you have enough Eves there? Maybe. It's one of one of those Eves. One of those might have to go. Yeah. It is my daughter's first Halloween. I am so excited. Oh, we're gonna be uh, little safari explorers. My kids are gonna be dinosaurs. Oh, that's nice. pretty cool. Yeah. Jurassic I had to find a, a costume where my husband didn't actually have to dress up. That way he could actually uh commit. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like dressing up? No. I oh. tried so many ideas and he was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. And then finally I found one where he could just wear normal clothes and say he was something. Dressing up for <laughs> Halloween is like the best thing to do, especially as an adult, because now you have money to pay for the costume. <laughs> foolishness. I have money to pay for the foolishness. Well, I mean... That's fair. It happens. Well, <laughs> speaking of Halloween, Trick or Treat will occur on Halloween Day this year, which is awesome. Ooh, right? yes. On the 31st, that Monday, Halloween will be our trick or treating times are from 6 p.m. until 8 p.m. Uh, if you would like uh, to pass out candy, make sure to keep your porch lights on. And if you have any extra candy, you can go ahead and bring those to the Three Core <laughs> Headquarters building and just ask for the Public Affairs Office. Yes, Thanks. we will come out and pick it up from you. Yes. Uh, we love candy. Yes. So, uh, all right. What do we have? We well, have, oh, speaking of what else is coming up, uh, we're about to obliterate the Air Force in the Army versus Air Force game on November yes. 5th next week. Yes. I, I, you know, I think I'm going to that. I don't know yet. I haven't. I got to go ask. I don't know. Well, you better. I want to see some great, great pictures. I do too. I just want to see a great game. (laughs) Beat Air Force. Uh, So what else? Oh, oh, you know what? I forgot. Almost forgot. We forgot to talk about Traveling Soldier this week. No, we did (gasps) not because we already have Blair again on the podcast. Blair again. (laughs) It's me. Hello, Blair. Hi. (laughs) What do you got for us this month, Blair? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we had... Janice Wright, one of our newest members, uh, go to the Texas State Fair. Um, and then I went to the Robinson Family Farm in Temple. Hey. And Eric went to the Fort Worth Stockyards. Oh, so much fun. And <laughs> Sam went to the Dallas Farmer's Market. Wow. We have not addressed why Sam isn't here. She is actually snuck away from us on vacation this week, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Yeah. She yeah. is doing mm-hmm. a traveling soldier. <laughs> totally. Actually traveling <laughs> from parts unknown. Yeah. To parts unknown. <laughs> yeah. The mileage on that would be great. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> I, I want I Get want those it. airline points. I know, right? Yes. But, uh, well, yes. I know the, the stockyards. I know the, the stockyards was fun. I've what been is to a the stockyard. F- what? Sorry. <laughs> what? So the stockyards, <clears throat> excuse me. So the stockyards are up in Fort Worth. Uh, it is where back in the 1800s, that was the the Fort Worth stockyards were pretty much the halfway point from the east coast to the west coast for moving cattle. And so everybody would bring their cows down there. Like people was like, if you have a cow and you live in Montana, if you can make it to the Fort Worth stockyards, you're making bank. And so every day. Two days, rain, sleet, snow, whatever. Well, it doesn't really snow in Texas. But whatever <laughs> else you have, they're going to have the the stock, uh, the the cattle drive that goes down the main street of, uh, of of the downtown area. And you can see the Longhorns with, like, 
it was as big as my car. Like mm-hmm. it was as long as my car, rather. It was it was pretty cool. Uh, I spent a little bit of time walking around down there and just learning about the history of the Fort Worth stockyards and then just the cowboys in general. And it was it was pretty cool. I had a lot of I, I ate entirely too much. And it was it was a great time. I recommend it. And again, it's two times a day you can go and you can see Longhorns. I think it is 4 p.m. and 12 p.m. And now that I said that, someone's going to come back and correct me. But that's OK, because I said, I think. So, <laughs> uh, and the, and if, if you haven't and while you're up there at the stockyards, just go ahead and check out the Texas State Fair because you can get fried everything. Fried everything. Now, fried what constitutes butter. fried everything, though? Because like, butter, fried butter, like a fried, fried stick of butter, stick yeah. of butter. Are you okay. Yeah. Yes. Fried Oreos. Yeah. Fried Oreos. Yeah. Fried candy bar. You can get what it's a fried Snickers, to be exact. Okay. That they sell, so you can get everything you want. I will say this: go there with an empty stomach, okay, <laughs> and a full wallet. Yes. Full wallet. That is a good <laughs> point. State f- Just saying. State food is always. And, and you can have. <laughs> And I think they have one more week of that. And, uh, they, well, this is, I think this is the last weekend. Matter of fact, I think it is. Uh, but you can have a great time. There's a bunch of rides out there. There's a bunch of displays. Uh, and you will just have a generally uh, great time. And I think, where, you know what? I'll talk about, the, Sam told me a little bit about the farmer's market. And she said, you can go out there. They have two farmer's markets. They have an indoor one and an outdoor one. They have, like, uh, handmade stuff that people just make. And it's like, hey, check this out. And you go and you you have a good time. I, I think it was good too. I like farmers markets anyway. I like jams and jellies and <laughs> you know the random stuff. Jams, jellies, and preserves. Is that the same thing? <laughs> no, jams and jellies. <laughs> no, they're different. There's like jams? a slight like technical. There's jams. Difference. There's jellies, and then there's preserves. I will have to confer with Doctor Google when we get done with. Well, this there stuff. is there is a difference. It's just like a very slight difference. It's the way it's made. And like the texture, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. The way you can't. No one can see this, but I'm looking at them very <laughs> suspiciously. Yeah. Well, I His used eyes to make are it narrowed. With my grandmother. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. I, I can I can believe you. This guy though. We made crab apple. Hey, I crab yeah. apple. Yeah. I've never made it, but I think <laughs> someone in my family owns an orchard and they make it. Avocados. No. Avocados. Jam jellies. <laughs> no, and, what? But you can make avocado. You can make a jam or a jelly out of avocados. Can't I don't you? think Why that's a good idea. It's called guacamole. It's not a jam or jelly. <laughs> <laughs> well, these these are the things we learn on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> and Blair, where did you? And tell us a little bit about where you went this week. Okay, so um, the Robinson Family Farm is in Temple, so it's not far from here. Um, they've got axe throwing. Oh. You know, big old pumpkin patch full of photo ops. You know, for people that like to do that, all that. The, stuff um yeah (laughs) um they um what else do they have i said axe throwing they've got a little zip line for kids Mm. archery yeah um they had these like swings that are like almost my height off the ground for you to get onto and swing i think not that's so cool i saw the little uh, trampoline ads for kids yeah yeah they they do so fun i want to bring my son Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they've got these like big I didn't write about this in the article because I couldn't find what they were called. They were like big pipe things that you can fit into and they're on tracks so you can like roll in them. Oh, that sounds and scary. Some, <laughs> yeah, some random kid, my roommate, all the whole time we were there, she's like, I want to get him one. I want to get him one. Of course, they're just crowded the whole time. So mm-hmm. as we're about to leave, uh, she sees one that's open and there's a little boy in the one next to it. And he hops out, race me. 
to her and she goes, she'll race you and points at me. And I said, Jessica, I'm going, Ugh. you know, I was like, this is not good. So, um, did you race him? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> I, um, it's a really like disorienting thing to do. Cause like when you start rolling around, you, and me being the control freak I am, you realize you have no control <laughs> over how it stops or anything. So I just sat down halfway through. And just, ah, whatever. And he got out and he looked, he's like, you're way back there. And I was like, yeah, I am, kid. <laughs> Go away. You win. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, good job. And I was like, Jessica. <laughs> Yeah, and then after that, she didn't even get in it or anything. She's like, it's fine. I was like, oh. okay, so you volunteer me for the race, you know, but whatever, it's fine. Um, so, I mean, they've got tons of stuff to do. I mean, you can spend the better half of a day there easy. Um, you can also buy pumpkins from the pumpkin patch if Yay. you want. And uh, what else do we do? They have an ice cream shop. And the day that we went, it was still kind of hot. So, <laughs> um I went in there and I was like, I need something really pretty to take a picture of. And the lady was like, I got you. So um, they gave me this like, it's like a little plastic mason jar and it's got their logo on it. So I still have it. I got to keep it. And then it's the Mupai Sunday. Mm. And it's it's got like a little sugar cookie that looks like a, a cow on Aww. the top. It was so cute. But yeah, it was it was great because it was, it was so hot. <laughs> <laughs> and like, there's not a lot of shade out there because it's open and... You know, oh, that's good to know, if there was shade anywhere, everybody was it. under it. Yeah. So uh, just know that they've also got, you know, a hayride and all I that. I want to bring so. an umbrella if I do go, because I don't know if my kids can handle being in the sun that long. Yeah, it's, it can get pretty hot. I mean, I mean, and they got everything. So I, I highly recommend going. And even if you don't have little ones, you can still go and enjoy you know, they've got adult beverages if you want Ooh. that. and Libations. <laughs> yes. Very... Um, large selection of food from food trucks. So yeah, it's a great place to visit. So sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. And I think that one is open. I think the best thing, if you want to go, you might want to check out the website just to make sure you go at the right times mm -hmm. and all that. Just best play practice, check their Facebook page out and you'll be good to go. Yeah. That's it. No, is that it? Yeah. Is that it? Happy, mm -hmm. Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> oh, and make sure that if you do have any candy that you do not want, please bring it to the three core. Uh, yeah. You got to reiterate that important. You can point. specifically ask for Eric Franklin. Yes, if you yes. want. <laughs> it, they, they know me at the gate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all have a great Halloween. Woo! podcast is a U.S. Army Garrison Fort Hood and Fort Hood Public Affairs production. The show's theme music is written and produced by Delicious All-Stars. All our music is obtained through Filter by SongTrader. Have a question or want to share some insights with us? Email us at forthoodpao at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at USAG Fort Hood. And as always, be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.